0: take a copy of God's Word and open it up to the New Testament book of Galatians chapter one. This morning we are starting a new series of messages as we go through the book of Galatians. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but um, I love the book of Galatians. It is an incredible book. It's an incredible letter. Uh, It's a short book. It's only six chapters long, 149 verses. If you were to read it from start to finish, it should take you about 20 to 30 minutes to read through the book of Galatians. It is a, it's a short letter, uh, but don't let that fool you. Though it's a short letter, it's a small book, it has a great truth. And if I had to use one word to describe the book of Galatians, it would be the word freedom. Now, there are different types of freedom, there's political freedom. there's financial freedom. there's freedom of press, freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of uh, political freedom. Uh, there's a lot of different freedoms that are out there, but the Bible tells us that the only way to experience true, liberating freedom, is through Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember, Jesus said in John chapter 6, he says, "...who the Son sets free is free indeed." And Galatians is the unpacking of that truth, that whom Jesus sets free, we are free indeed. Now, the book of Galatians is our declaration of freedom in Christ. Uh, We have freedom from fear, freedom from guilt, freedom from worry, uh, freedom from sin, freedom from failure, freedom from rules and regulations and rituals. If you remember in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was just 12 years old, if you remember the story, uh, his parents went to Jerusalem and uh, on their way back, they they lost Jesus. Jesus was just, uh, he was 12 at that time. And uh, they, they lost it. Where is Jesus? Remember, Jesus was back in the temple, and he was teaching. If you remember the story, they gave him the book of Isaiah, and he opened it up. He opened up this book of prophecy, uh, Old Testament. He opens the, the scrolls up, and he begins to say this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. This was a prophecy about Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. You see, Jesus came to set us free. He did not come to, to, uh, to, to, to bind us up, to enslave us. No, he came to free us. From slavery. He came to to liberate us from the rules and the regulations and the rituals and the mundane, lifeless religion. Now imagine for a second that you're a slave. Imagine that your hands and your feet are bound. I mean, you cannot move. You are, you are chained up, and you have a master, and this master is so abusive. He demands strict obedience. And you, 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 you're wearing old, old, torn and, and, and ripped up slave clothing. You stink from the odor of, of effort and work and just trying to be obedient to your master. And, I mean, your master is so... You, 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 bear, you bear marks from the whip because you've been disobedient. And, and, I mean, you have just an abusive master, but another master... One who is so wealthy purchases you, he buys you, and he takes you into his home, and he takes the key, and he unshackles the chains, he frees your hand, he frees your feet, and he says to you, you are no longer a slave, you are my child, you are an heir of mine. Everything that belongs to me belongs to you. That's the message of Galatians. That Christ has set us free from the chains of religion, from the rituals, from the routines. He set us free because when our hands were bound to the law, when our hands were bound to the the old covenant, when our hands were bound to religion, we, we, we could not serve God freely, but He freed us. That's the message. Look with me at verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not by men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Now, I need to stop right here. We need to understand that Paul is the penman. Paul is the one writing this letter uh, to, uh, to, to the Christian. All right, now, uh, what we need to understand is that Paul uh, used to be a guy by the name of Saul, formerly known as Saul. And if there's anybody who knew uh, freedom personally, who knew free, who experienced freedom was Paul. All right? He experienced the freedom that Christ gives in a very personal way, in a very radical way. And so uh, here's Paul, and before he was Paul, he was Saul, he was very zealous. All right, as a Jew, he was very zeal, he was very pious as a Pharisee. In fact, you know, one of the greatest enemies of Jesus Christ was Saul. It was, was Paul before he became Paul. He was he was so out to stop the spread of Christianity. He opposed the spreading of this of this message of Christ. He, he opposed Christ. Man, he was so out and against Jesus Christ. But but God got a hold of him. But Christ gripped his heart, grabbed his attention, and transformed Paul's life. He was no longer the same, and so Paul is writing, and he 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 knows a lot about the freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. And um, you know, if if you want, you you can you don't have to now, uh, but to read his his life story, uh, his life transformation, read Acts chapter nine. It's a great. This is the whole transformation of Paul, the whole conversion of Paul. In fact, even if you go down. A little further here in Galatians chapter one, beginning with verse thirteen, he shares a little bit of his testimony of how zealous he was uh, as 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 one who was so out and against Christ and Christianity. All right, so there's Paul, and he's the one that's writing this letter, and it's interesting too that this is one of the few letters that Paul. Wrote with his own hand. All right. Many of the letters that Paul wrote, uh, he dictated. Somebody else wrote his words down, and then he would sign the end or the greeting of that letter. You know, when we write a letter, we start off with the greeting and we say, you know, uh, dear so and so, hi, my name is Mike, or we say, you know, just want to, you know, whatever. We do the greeting at the beginning. Uh, uh, but Paul's day, they did the greeting at the end, and so he would have a scribe. As Paul would dictate, he would be writing down every single word that Paul uh, spoke, and then Paul would sign it at the end, all right? But Galatians is one of the few letters where Paul himself writes this letter. It's it's the first letter that Paul writes, all right? And so he's writing to the churches in Galatia, and another thing we need to understand is that uh, Galatia is not a city, it's a region, all right? And the churches in Galatians, not one church, it's it's several churches. And these churches were started by Paul and Barnabas on his first missionary trip. When they went out, he started these churches... And uh, these are the churches to whom he's writing. So this letter would be what we call a circulatory letter. Uh, You know, one church would read it, and then they would pass it on to the next church, and on to the next church, and on to the next church. But this letter was for believers in Christ. And the churches in Galatia were, were mainly and mostly Gentile believers. And so we start to see the spread of... Christ, the spread of the gospel, uh, starting with Jerusalem or uh, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria to the ends of the earth. So the gospel message is spreading. People are responding to this message, and 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 we just there's an explosion. Now the reason why Paul is writing this letter is to call them to faith in Christ and to enjoy the freedom that Jesus brings. That's one of, the, one of the main reasons. He, he, he wants to, to really lay out for the believer this wonderful freedom that we have in Christ and, and how we are to live our lives in this, in this position of freedom. Right? And there's another reason why Paul is writing, and that is to oppose false teachers. Because as Paul set these churches up in Galatia, all right, he comes back, all right, he, he, he goes back to his home base, and, and no sooner that he got back home, these false teachers who are called Judaizers come into the church, and they start to, to really discredit Paul's ministry, who Paul is. And what they were saying was this, listen, you, you, you don't need to believe Paul. Uh, Paul is not a true apostle, all right? Paul is, he's self-proclaimed, self-ordained, all right? Paul does not have any credentials. He is not ordained from the Mother Church in Jerusalem. Paul is just he, he, he's coming and, and he's not sharing the whole truth with you, all right? And so they were, he, they were these false teachers, these Judaizers, were coming in behind Paul. Paul had laid the foundation. These Christians were they believed in Jesus Christ, they were living their life by faith, and these Judaizers came in and they said, hey, not don't, don't don't listen to Paul. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not a real apostle. And here's what they were teaching. Here's what made their doctrine false. They'd come in and they would say, listen, Paul's somewhat right, but he's not, he's not completely right. All right. Yes, Paul's right. You need to believe in Jesus. That's, that's, that's right. All right. However, you need to do some works need to obey the Mosaic law. There, there, there's works that you need to do. And so their formula for salvation was Jesus plus works equals salvation. And whenever you have that formula, whenever you have the formula Jesus plus works or works plus Jesus, it doesn't matter how you arrange the equation, however you arrange it. If, if, if you have works in the formula, that's a false doctrine. And Paul is, he's, he is so passionate and protective of the gospel. And so he's writing. He's writing because the Christians, these believers, were being persuaded to change directions. They started off believing in Christ by God's grace, and they, they, they said, you know what? We want to be bound up. We want the chains on. Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't throw away your freedom. Look at verse 3. Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, Let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say it again, just in case you didn't hear it the first time. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, let him be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And so there's some observations that I want us to see this morning. Number one, the gospel is by God's grace. The true liberating gospel is by God's grace. Paul mentions the word gospel. 11 times throughout his letter to the the churches in Galatia. Six out of the 11 times are right here in the first chapter. And so Paul wants us to understand the importance of the true gospel. Now, the word gospel means good news. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. But what exactly is the good news that Paul is talking about? I mean, did he just save money on his chariot insurance? Remember the Geico commercial? I was thinking as I was studying, I was like, remember that commercial where, uh, you know, there's just some, some bad situation, some horrific, you know, bad news, bad news, and then the person would say, oh, I've got good news. I just saved money on my car insurance. Well, was this the good news that Paul's talking about? That he just saved some money on his insurance? Or, or did he just inherit a bunch of money? Or, or did, um, uh, did he have all of his college loans and bills paid for? I mean, all of that would surely be good news. But that's not the good news that Paul is talking about. You see, the good news that Paul is talking about is that only by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ... God has provided us salvation. God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And in providing us with salvation, in providing us with the forgiveness of sins, we can now enjoy a restored relationship with God. Now, before we can really appreciate the good news, we need to understand the bad news. As many times, we, 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 you know, the good news, we just heard the good news, and we're like, okay, okay, well, what's, what's so good about the good news? Okay, yeah, you know, God, God provided us salvation by His grace, yawn. Uh, but but what's, what is so good about the good news? Well, and understand the good news, you've got you to gotta backdrop it with or contrast it with the bad news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is we cannot save ourselves from God's wrath. We can't save ourselves. You see, the bad news is we all stand guilty before a holy and righteous judge. All of us. All of us stand guilty before God. That's bad news. The bad news is we have all, every single one of us, including myself, we've all rebelled against God. We've all broken his law, his commandments. We've rebelled against him. The bad news is we all deserve his punishment. All of us. The bad news is no amount of religious deeds can change God's verdict. In other words, you can't be good enough to change God's verdict from you're guilty as a sinner, you're guilty as a lawbreaker. You can't be good enough for God to say, okay, you know what? I've changed my verdict you're no longer guilty you're innocent there's there's no way that god will change his verdict that's the bad news because of our sin because of our rebellion god will never change because guess what god doesn't require goodness he requires perfection and that's where we all miss the standard because we're not perfect we tend to think that you know what i'm not that bad the bad news is I'm not that bad, but the bad news is that, yeah, we are. We are we're, we're, not, we're not just bad. We're wicked. We're not just bad. We're unholy. We're not just bad. We're, we're separated from God. All right? that, that's how bad the bad news is. Now, if I stop there, man, we'd be like, wow, that's, that's, that's a really discouraging message. I mean, that's just all the bad news. Well, the good news is this, all right? The, that's the bad news. The bad news is we cannot save ourselves. Bad news is we deserve the punishment of God. The good news is, guess what? We're not saved by our works. We're saved by God's grace. That's the good news. The good news is we have been justified. That word justified means to be declared not guilty. Remember, under the bad news, we were declared guilty. Under the bad news, we stood condemned. Under the bad news, we're sinners and we deserve death. We deserve punishment. We not only deserve it, we've earned it, okay? But under the good news, we've been justified, we've been declared not guilty because of our faith in Jesus Christ, not because God excused our sinfulness, but that Christ took our sinfulness. In other words, Christ, who was perfect, who was innocent, took your sin, your punishment, your sentence on the cross, and he paid it in full. So God now changes his verdict from guilty to not guilty. We've been justified by faith in Christ. That's good news. Good news is that Jesus took our bad news, and He gives us the good news. So, good news is that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse three. Paul says, "Grace and peace to you from God and and from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Right? Notice grace, grace from who? From God and our Lord Jesus Christ, go down to verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not a gospel of grace, but a gospel of works. It's, it's a perverted gospel. It's not a true gospel, right? It, it, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, um, Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And so we need to understand that that the gospel, this good news, is by God's grace. Now, the word grace means unearned favor or unmerited favor. Grace is when you receive something you don't deserve. That's why I say the gospel, the good news, is by God's grace because we don't deserve To be justified. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be set free. But by His grace, He does that. You see, we're so used to this mindset that, you know, I have to work for it. I have to work hard. You know, in order to get ahead in life, I need to work hard. I need to contribute. I need to apply. You know, I need to do this you know, to get good grades. I need to work hard to get good grades. Uh, to, you know, i got to work hard to earn money. And so we have in our mind this mentality that, that we have to work hard to achieve something. And so it's hard for us to really embrace grace because grace is when we receive something we, we don't deserve. We don't deserve God's salvation. We don't deserve it. Remember the old shake and bake commercials? When Heather and I first got married, uh, for those of you who don't know what shake and bake is, uh, it's this uh, uh, bread-like in, uh, mix or whatever and you put it in a bag and you put chicken in it and you shake it up and then you put the chicken in a like a casserole dish and you bake it and uh, it's why it's called shake and bake. Uh, when Heather and I were first married we lived on shake and bake. Uh, we didn't know how to cook and it was just easy. We just go on and get some shake and bake and, and you know, put it in a bag, put some chicken, and shake it up. Throw it in the in the oven and cook it, and call it dinner. Right? but I remember the commercial for Shake and Bake. You know, they would show how easy it is. You know, to make this chicken, and at the end, uh, this little girl would say, "It's Shake and Bake, and I helped." And I just I remember that commercial because because you know you hear, it, 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 marketing genius right there. Because what Shake and Bake was saying was, "Look, this is this is not you know just mom's thing. All right, this is a family affair." All right, you know, you, you get to help uh, make dinner, you know, and so I, I love the idea of it. But many times we take that mentality and we bring it over into uh, into salvation. All right. And we say, you know, yes, it's Jesus, but I helped. And that's the wrong mentality. That's not liberating freedom. That's not the true gospel. That's legalism. Whenever you add your works to the formula, You've taken away from the grace of God. The good news, the gospel is by God's grace. Number two, the gospel declares what Jesus has done for us. And we need to understand this. This is liberating, okay? This is freedom. This is why the good news, we're free because of what Christ has done for us, not what we do for him. Many times we think that that's what it is. It's, it's about what we do for God and we need to do this or we don't, you know, we should not do this. And, and so it, we, we always, we operate with do. We, we need to do something when the reality is the gospel, the freedom that, that God gives us is because of what Christ has done for us. Look at verse 3 again. Paul says grace and peace to you from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to pause right here. That's not his first middle and last name, all right? All right. Th- that's that's who Christ is right here, right? That's who Jesus is. Lord means master, all right? So if, if you like to write notes in your Bible, Lord Jesus Christ, just just write a little little note right here. Lord means master. That Jesus is master. All right? Jesus, that's his name. Remember when uh, the angels appeared to Joseph and they said to, uh, to Joseph, before Jesus would be born, you shall call him uh, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All right, the name Jesus means Jehovah saves or God saves. And so we have Lord, God saves. Jehovah saves, Savior, right? That's Jesus. And then Christ means anointed one or Messiah, right? That's a title. That's, that's who, this is who Christ is, right? He is Lord. Now, we don't make Jesus Lord. He's declared Lord. And I know sometimes we said, you know, and, 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 and I was kind of taught this, you know, long, long time ago. You know, when you're talking with people and you would ask them this question, have you made Jesus Lord? That is so incorrect. You don't make Jesus Lord. He's already Lord. What we do is we declare that He is Lord and we submit and surrender to His Lordship. He is Lord. He is our Master, right? And then Jesus, and He came to save us from our sins. Christ, He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the one sent from above. But Paul says, Look, it's Jesus, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for what? What does it say? Who gave himself for our sins, right? Not for his sins, but for our sins. This is why, this is the the good news, the gospel message is is about what Christ has done for us. He died for our sins. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. The one who was sinless took our sin on on, on the cross. This is liberating. To rescue us from the present evil age. Let me, t- let me share with you what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is, this is the, the essence of the gospel right here. The essence of the good news. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. This is the gospel that Paul preached. This is the same gospel that he preached to the Christians in Galatia. This is his gospel. This is his good news. He says, which you have received and which you have taken your stand... By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. Otherwise, you, you, you've, you've gone back into slavery. You put the chains back on. You're bound to the old way, the old, the old, the old life, the old covenant. Paul says, For what I received, I passed on to you as, as of first importance. Here, here it is. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And so the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all about what Jesus has done for us, not what we do for Jesus. In fact, the word uh, gospel, we get the English word evangelical or evangelize, or evangelism. And so when you ever hear the word, of, you know, we need, to, we need to go out and evangelize. We need to be more evangelistic. We're an evangelical church. What that means is we're a church that proclaims the good news of Jesus, right? What he's done for us, as we're, 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 we're witnesses because we personally experienced the freedom and liberation that Christ brings. Now, there's a huge difference between Christianity and religion. And I know many people tend to, 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 to marry the two, and, and they get confused about it, and they think, well, isn't, isn't Christianity synonymous with, with religion? Uh, you know, isn't, isn't it the same thing? No, no, are two totally different things. You see, religion is about do's and don'ts. Religion is about rules. Religion is about you, you know, working hard to make sure that God is happy with you, all right? If you, if you do this and if you keep, you know, you, you, you do the things that you should do and don't do the things that you shouldn't do, you know, if, if, if you're successful, if you've worked really, 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 really hard at it, you know, God will be happy with you and he will wink. He'll give you the thumbs up, maybe in a pat on the back. And if you're like super, super, super good, you may get a gold star. And so that's religion. Religion is about what you do to earn God's favor. What you do so that God will accept you, it's different than Christianity. Because the fact of the matter is, there's not enough good that we can do that will ever make us acceptable to God. It's like a salesman. A salesman that has to go out and he has to sell. But he's never told the quota. How, how, do you know, all right? how do you know? As a salesman, just imagine you're a salesman. You're out there. You're selling something. You're selling vacuum cleaners, whatever, and, but, but you're never given the quota. Like how many, how many vacuum cleaners do you have to sell? Don't know. The Bible never tells us how good we have to be in order to earn God's favor because God doesn't judge us by our goodness. He judges, judges us by his perfection, and we all miss it and so we could never be good enough we could never be good enough to work our way up to earn god's acceptance and that's the difference christianity is not about what we do it's about what christ has done for us it's not about rules and regulations and rituals I know sometimes people think that, and they look at they look at the church, they look at Christianity, and they say, you know, I'm I'm not into religion. And when I when I hear that, when I when I when I'm sharing Christ or I'm sharing, you know, hey, I want to invite you to come to church. I'm not into into religion. I say, good, neither am I. I'm not into religion. I'm not into rituals. I'm not into routines. I'm not into the mundane. I'm not into the lifeless, the powerless. I'm not in, into that, into the structure and the system. I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm into the freedom that we have, that, that we've been free in a relationship with God. And so there's a difference. You see, the gospel declares what Jesus has done for us. Another observation is that there, there's only one true gospel. There's only one true gospel. Look at verse 6. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. As we've already said, no. and now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, let him be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, what we need to understand, you know, as we read that, I kind of read that uh, with a mild tone. But if you were to read this in the Greek, I mean, not only is this a personal letter, this is a very passionate letter that Paul is writing. He is very, very protective of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the language in the Greek is very, very strong. In fact, there's a couple of times in Galatians that his what he says, I mean, it, I, I love the fact that... Uh, uh, it's been translated almost in a, in, a, in a rated G version. I mean, because what Paul says, it's truth. But, man, it is hard truth. It is, it is straightforward. And, and you have one place here. And then uh, for, for, for our Bible uh, students, for those of you, you know, Galatians 5, verse 12. That's another really, really strong statement that Paul makes uh, as I'm studying. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to preach that one yet uh it's in, don't don't look there now mark it down read galatians 5 12 and then you'll be like oh yeah how's he going to do that <laughs> but here paul is very passionate about the the gospel and he says listen even if we or an angel preach another gospel let him be accursed this, this wording in the Greek, the language in the Greek means, mean, if, if somebody comes to you with another gospel, other than the gospel of God's grace, that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, it is, it is Jesus plus nothing. If somebody comes to you and says, no, 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 you need to, you need to work, you, there's a work that you need to do. There's something you need to do in addition to your faith in Jesus, all right? Uh, you, need to be the me- you need to be a member of the church, or you need to be baptized, or you need to, to, to you know, uh, uh, not do this and do do this. And once you add works to that man, that is a different gospel. It is a counterfeit gospel. And Paul says, listen, if anybody comes to you, Preaching a different gospel, which is a counterfeit gospel. It's not the true gospel. It's fake news, not good news. All right. And Paul says, listen, if anybody comes to you, let God damn him. May he go to hell. That's how strong it is. May he be accursed. Man, this that's powerful. That's strong. And, and and Paul says, just in case you didn't hear me the first time I wrote it, or maybe you're shocked, maybe you're, you have to pick your jaw up from the ground, and you're like, I can't believe Paul just said that. I mean, That's not very Christ-like for Paul to say. No, he is so animate and so protective of the good news of Jesus Christ that he doesn't want anyone to desert Christ, desert the freedom and the grace we have in God and go back to the law, back to rituals. He says, man, I I want you to make sure you understand it. So I said it twice. That's that's, That's how important this is. And Paul says, do you think I'm trying to please people now? Nah. Think I'm trying to win the approval of people? Nah. That's that's how straightforward it is. And so there is only one true gospel. And that is Jesus plus nothing. It's Christ alone. Anybody who comes to you with another another gospel, that's not true that's fake so there's only one true gospel and it's not it's not jesus plus works equals salvation no that's that's not that's not the true gospel it's jesus plus nothing lastly quickly the gospel originated with god because i know people say well did did god did paul just come up with this stuff I mean, we're, we're, I mean, obviously he didn't go to seminary, all right? He 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 he's not ordained from the church in Jerusalem. Did did he, did he make this stuff? What we need to understand is that the good news that we are saved by God's grace through faith—that we're saved—this liberating gospel, man. This originated with God. This wasn't Paul's idea. It wasn't man's idea. It wasn't constructed in the church in Jerusalem among Peter and James and John. They didn't get together and say, "Okay, man, let's create something. Uh, let's let's do something." different let's do something new no no this all originated with god look at verse 11 paul says i want you to know brothers and sisters that the gospel i preached is not of human origin didn't come from man all right didn't originate with man it wasn't man's plan it's god's plan he says i did not receive it from any man nor was i taught it rather i received it by revelation from jesus christ in your notes you want to write down it has always been god's idea to save us by grace always this wasn't a new concept this wasn't a new teaching this wasn't a new thought or a new idea it has always been god's idea to save us by grace in fact you don't have to turn i'm just gonna tell you the story really quick adam and eve remember the story of adam and eve Remember, they enjoyed fellowship with God. They enjoyed a relationship with God. God would come down, and he would fellowship with them. They enjoyed the relationship. They were friends. They were buddies. They hung out. God gave them uh, work to do, and they were busy, and they just enjoyed paradise. Everything was was wonderful, right, until until the serpent died came to Eve and had a dialogue with her and said, you know, uh, if you know the story, he got her to disobey God and, and to take the fruit from the forbidden tree, from the one of the trees God said, do not eat from. You can eat freely from all the other trees, but don't eat freely from this tree. Guess what? She ate. She took it. She ate it. And then she turned and she gave it to her husband, Adam, and he ate it as well. All right? You see, she was tempted, she was deceived, but Adam willfully disobeyed. And the moment that they ate, the Bible says that their eyes were open. They saw their nakedness, they saw their guilt, they saw their shame, they saw that we did something wrong. And then they heard God call. Out to man, out to woman. God's coming to have fellowship with them. They saw their nakedness. And you know what they did? They went and they, they took some, some leaves, some fig leaves, and they sewed them up. And they began to make these, this clothing, all right, so that they could stand before God. They were hiding, all right, and they said, well, we, we, can't, we can't come before God. We're, we're naked. God's going to know we did something, all right? God already knew that they did something. But so they, they sewed fig leaves, and they come before God. And, and, and God says, what in the world? What do you what in the world? They sinned. God knew that they sinned. And what God does is simply an act of his grace. And this is why I said this has always been God's plan from the beginning, from the genesis. God knew. God knew the moment he created man that man would sin. This wasn't something that shocked God or surprised God or took God off guard. He knew. He knew that man would sin. But yet he still chose to create man. He knew man would break his heart. He knew this, right? He knew, but he still chose to create man because God had a plan before the foundation of the world. God, God had a plan, but we see what God does in the physical. He was gonna do spiritually for us, all right? God takes an innocent animal. We don't know what animal it was, all right? The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says that God took an animal, he killed that animal, and he took the skin of that animal, the covering of that animal, and he clothed man and woman. The fig leaves were not good enough for God. The fig leaves was what man could do to stand right with God, to stand in God's presence. And God says, no, that's not going to work. I cannot accept your clothing. I cannot accept your works. I can't accept that. You're wearing the wrong wardrobe. And so God does for man what man could not do. And he takes an innocent animal, he slaughters the the blood of that innocent animal has been shed, and he takes the coat of that animal, the skin of that animal, and he clothes man. That's only by God's grace. And said, well, why, why would God do that? Because that's a picture of Christ. What Jesus would do for us, that Jesus would shed his blood for us, and now we are covered not with our self-righteous works of fig leaves. We're covered by the righteousness of Christ. And so now we're able to stand in the presence of God. We're able to stand. We have, we're able to have a right relationship with him, not because of what we've done, but because what Christ has done. And when God sees us, he doesn't see. When God looks at me, he doesn't see Michael Brutto. He sees Jesus Christ in me. He sees the coat. He sees the covering. He sees the righteousness of Christ, which he has clothed me. And so we need to understand that the gospel originated with God. And so the good news, the good news is that we're free. The good news is is we're free. On September 22nd, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Proclamation of Emancipation. It wasn't until January 1st, 1863, that it took effect. The Proclamation of Emancipation freed slaves in America. It was the, abolish, uh, the abolishment of, of slavery here in America. January 1st, 1863, slaves were now free. However unlike today where we have you know Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and news and just we're able to get information out so quickly so so rapidly they didn't have that back in 1863 and so what had to happen is that they had to have a carrier go into these states and go to these places and and read the proclamation to uh, the masters and and free the slaves and so think about the the work that had to take place and so come January 1st they're out and they're telling everybody hey you're going to the to the slave owners and guess what your slaves have been set free to the slaves guess what thank god almighty you've been free and 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 so they've been free however not not all the states were free at once in fact it wasn't until june 19th 1863 which is known as juneteenth that texas the last state in the confederacy freed their slaves in other words from January 1st until June 19th, slaves were free and they didn't even know they were free. It wasn't until they heard the message that they were free. This proclamation of emancipation that they had been free. And so think about it. For, for, for uh, six months, they were slaves, but yet they were free and they didn't know it. So think about the good news. When, when they finally heard that they were freed, they, they had a choice. They could either respond to that good news and receive it, or they could say, you know what? I like the chains. I kind of like slavery. I kind of like being bound to this. I kind of like not having my freedom. I kind of like not, you know, not being able to enjoy the freedom. I, I, I kind of like this. And so they had a choice. Looks like you haven't set up any Siri, I don't have time for you right now. <laughs> Wrong time to talk to me. <laughs> and where was I? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you have a choice. How do we respond to the to the good news that we've been freed? Here, here, here's your choice. You can either receive it, or you can reject it. You can either you can embrace it. You see, Christianity isn't embracing embracing a bunch of rules and doctrines. It's embracing Christ. And so, how do we respond to the gospel? You turn from self, you turn from your works, and you turn to Christ. That's what the word repent means. I know we, we've heard that. The Bible says, you know, we're to repent. Right? We're to repent and trust in Christ. We're to repent and believe in Jesus. The Bible teaches that, but, but we don't understand what repent. We think repent means just feeling sorry for our sins. You know? Oh, okay, Jesus, I'm sorry. No, no, repent means to change your course, to change your mind, to change your direction. And so when we say, when we say to, to embrace the gospel, right, to, to embrace this liberating message that, that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, it's to turn from our ourself, our works, whatever it is that you're trusting in to save you, right, could be, could be the law, could be, you know, trying to be a good person and keep the, the Ten Commandments, and what it could be that, or just trying to be a good person in general, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as other people, just trusting in something other than Jesus Christ. And to repent means to change from that, to turn from that, and to turn to Christ, To trust Him. Because only He could free you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know who or what you're trusting in. I know sometimes we think, well, you know. The good news is that. Or the good news is if I believe in Jesus, I'll I'll go to heaven. No, it's more than that. The good news is that we can experience freedom now. We don't have to be bound, we don't have to be chained, we don't have to be enslaved, we don't have to be imprisoned. The good news is that we can experience. True, liberating freedom now. Not bound. the law, but we've been freed by grace in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, through faith alone.